Coming up next is an encore presentation of Mance and Mitchell. Gary and Suzanne have continued their vacation stay back east, and all of us here would like to wish you a happy new year, and we'll hear from them next week live. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, happy Friday. Happy weekend, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and we are joined of a Friday, of course, by bad boy Benny Mathers at the board, our producer. Benny, how are you doing? Woo! Doing real good there, Gary! <laughs> oh, it feels so good to use those again. <laughs> it's been a slow week. <laughs> Seahawks won. Yes, they did. Okay. This is going to be a very strange year in the NFL. There, I said it. What? It's going to be strange. I want that's more right. information on that, Gary. That's just so, that's hey, a bold everybody. statement. They're, they're hoisting the banner and they're celebrating in LA as the Rams, the Super Bowl champions, take on the team that beat them. <laughs> and <laughs> and it was the Buffalo Bills winning by three touchdowns, as I recall. There, it's uh, that sort of thing going on. Cincinnati, last mm. second loss to the Steelers. I, oi, oi, what's going on here? <laughs> All the old certitudes are melting away regarding the NFL. Okay, I'll give you that one. Any predictions, though, in the overall? No. Okay. Too I, early, I too predict crazy. they're going to play. Well, there you go. That's right. <laughs> that will happen. She's not willing to go out on more of a limb than that. It's early. Maybe that's why. It's just early. It's the yes, first week. I mean, even the Bears won a game. So Wow. Well, that's beating the 49ers. I mean, you Woo! know, it was a good day to beat the Seahawks. They're watching their rivals, divisional rivals, fall. All right. Your description so of... So this is uh, where we at, where, where we find ourselves. Another weekend is right there. We're on the cusp of it. And always glad to be working with Bad boy Benny. Pleasure. Today we're having an old friend. He's not old. No, no, no. You know, he's not old. A boomer like ah, us. But I start over. Old. And he's got a new book out. This is our friend Vincent Jenna. We're delighted to have with us. And Suzanne, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. Give the man his mad props. Let's get him on the air. I'd love to do that. A truly authentic and gifted psychic medium with the knowledge and experience of a psychotherapist and the big charming personality of a showman vincent jenna combines his extraordinary psychic abilities academic credentials and genuine all-loving approach to provide healing for body mind and spirit as a psychic therapist vincent uses his more than 39 years of training research and experience in the metaphysical psychological and spiritual fields to dive deep into your psyche to release unconscious blockages resistances and self-sabotaging beliefs and behaviors so you can fulfill the life of your dreams vincent offers his spiritual metaphysical and psychological insights in his first book the secret that's holding you back this was released june 21 of this year so it's pretty new on the market and we are very happy to welcome our friend Vincent Jenna back to talk about the secret that's holding you back. Welcome to Manson Mitchell, Vincent. Well, hello there. And that's all you're going to say about me in my intro? Oh, my goodness. I was waiting for more. <laughs> that's no, right. I well, told you we should do the... <laughs> way over, way 
ever. Unbelievable. You guys are great. You always make me sound fabulous. We told you it was going to be a strange one. We told you it was going to be strange. Benny, you got to give me more warning, man. Oh, my goodness. No, this is wonderful. And the fact that the Bears won, were they playing a college team? <laughs> I believe they Burn. were playing Northwestern. <laughs> they were playing the San Francisco 49ers. So any Niners fans out there, send your Are hate you mail. Be care of. Hey, well, then there's going to be a blue moon out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's great being here, guys. How are you? We're doing very well and very glad to be reconnecting with you on the air, Vincent. To start this interview, though, I actually wanted to take a step to one side in order to give you an opportunity, Vincent, and that is to share any recollections you have of the lovely, the wonderfully talented, and now, unfortunately, the late Olivia Newton-John. Uh, you knew her. You worked with her in the biggest way. Yes, I did in the movie Grease. I was a singer, actor, and dancer in the entire movie, and... I have to tell you that she was a sweetheart when when she left and transitioned. Look, I'm a medium. I know that life continues on the other side. And so do the rest of us mediums and psychics. We understand that even in the spiritual realm, we know that life continues. However, that doesn't take away from the hurt and the pain of losing that person in the physical realm. You know, not that I saw Olivia a lot, at all afterwards. A matter of fact, it, she just she did her a concert here. I'd say it's now about um, eight years ago, and uh, I was able to see her. I had contacted her manager, and he had gotten my wife and I, um, you know, house seats, which were fabulous, and then a VIP pass to go backstage and see her afterwards. And so it was wonderful seeing her. So we didn't see each other all the time, but the relevance of that movie and working with a personality like Olivia, it just, it just broke my heart to see that the world lost such a great talent and such a beautiful person. And uh, one of my earliest memories of working with Olivia was fabulous. Um, I was actually at our first rehearsal. That's how it started. We had four weeks of rehearsal before we started filming. And so we were in a big, you know, rehearsal studio and it's lunchtime. And um, not being familiar with the process there, I brown bagged it. And so I'm, you know, everybody else is leaving the room, or at least I thought everybody else is leaving the room. And I'm going in and I'm getting my, you know, tuna fish sandwich, you know, a, a new talent in Hollywood. We just about can get a can of tuna and some bread slices. You know, we just want to make sure that we're uh, taking care of our finances the right way. So I'm sitting there and I begin to eat my tuna fish sandwich. And all of a sudden I hear in this beautiful accent, this this young female voice turn around behind me and say, um, is this your first movie? I'm so nervous because this is my first movie. And so I turn around slowly, you know, to see who it is. And it's Olivia. And I nearly dropped my tuna fish sandwich all over the floor. It's like my, my mouth, you know, because she was a star to me before even doing that movie. You know, all I kept hearing is, have you ever been mellow? Because I used to listen to that music. Yep. You know, Led Zeppelin, forget it. Olivia Newton-John, yes, definitely. 
pop music. And there she is right there next to me. And she was so sweet. And unfortunately, the conversation didn't last long because her manager realized or the, 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 the people on the set realized, wait, where's Lydia? He said, oh, my God, he's back in a room with one of the, 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 the dancers. Don't, you know, it's just like, let's get her. So they came along and got her right away. But then afterwards, we used to hang out together after the, the, the filming for the day so that we could watch the dailies. She even had a party where the main group of people were invited to her home in Malibu. And the funniest thing was, you know the costume that she wore in the last scene, you're the one that I want, right? Well, yes. a lot of people finally knew uh, or learned that that costume was actually sewn onto her. <laughs> and so they had to, it was too tight to pull up. So they actually pieced it together on her so that it would be skin tight costume, right? That she answered that, that answered a lot of my questions. Thanks. Did it. Okay. Totally. There you go. How <laughs> she got that costume on, uh, they did. They sewed it <laughs> while it was on her. She had five of those personal outfits in her wardrobe of all different colors before they even made that one for the movie. That's who Olivia always was. That's where we came to find out. When she did the album, Let's Get Physical, she wanted to start in the U.S. that way. She wanted to start her whole career as that physical, sexy person. And it was her manager that said, no, 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 no. You're too sweet looking. We're going to go with that because that's going to gain you your fame. Let you have fame. Let everybody love you. And then you can go with that as much as you want. So that movie actually opened the door to the real Olivia. And so it was so wonderful. And she had horses and everything. What an experience. She, she was an absolute doll and an angel. And towards the end of her life, she even proved that more with all the altruistic work that she did for Cancer Association. She even opened up a spiritual spa in Iceland um, uh, that had spring water and all of this magnificent stuff there because she really went into that spiritual journey because that's who she always was. She was just a doll. Yeah, the great loss. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And and you knew her and it was, it was appropriate for you to say yeah. something about that today. Now to the book. You got a book out. Got a book it out. seems to be doing rather uh, well. God, it is doing exceptionally well. And, and I have a group on Facebook associated with it called the, the, the Secret That's Holding You Back. And people are sharing their experiences there. And, it, and it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. Look, I knew, obviously, if I wrote this material and I teach the material, I believe in the material. And I do get people contacting me every so often and letting me know how their lives are changing because of my readings and everything. But now I'm having people read this book and sharing how it's absolutely changing their lives instantaneously. I just had one post yesterday that she read my book one time, started doing the work, realized what her real belief was and changed it into the positive one and manifested the job of her dream in the same day with a pay increase in everything. And she's thrilled to death with the outcome. And this is what's happening to people as soon as they start applying the work in my book. I'm, I'm thrilled the effect that it's having. 
It seemed to me when I was reading the book that this was uh, born out of your um, your master's in social work, that not only did you have the, uh, every time you've been on, we have talked about your mediumship and your intuitiveness, psychic ability. And the only time I think that we talked too very much about your master's was when we were talking about your having helped 500 people cross over in hospice from this life to the afterlife. But when I read this book, I thought this was a nice combination of your own, your own journey, but really combined with your wanting to truly help people in the, in the calling that you had to get involved with social work and to have people have the best lives that they could have. Oh, absolutely, Suzanne. I'm glad that you pointed that out, because to me, um, in psychology, what we learned is some of the best way to work with a person is gestalt, the whole the whole person. Um, that was a term. Uh, gestalt therapy was was created by Sigmund Freud and some other psychiatrists out there. And so I immediately went to the understanding that we are body, mind, and spirit, body, mind, and spirit. So in, in spirituality and metaphysics, everybody keeps paying attention to the spirit part, spirit part. In matter of fact, even in new thought, they don't put any reference to the mind part other than you have to be thinking, um, don't, don't be paying attention to your past, you create new thought, you create new life. Right. So that's as far as they go with that. And they certainly don't put a lot of emphasis on paying attention to your health and how it relates. They, they connect it, but they don't talk about the aspects of it that are important. And I said, no, 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 no. In order to make spirituality even work, we have to understand the human mind better. And that's why I dove into the psychology and the biology of the human mind, because really it's even more than just the psychology of it, because these are actual functionings of our human brains as to what I broke down in there, the the protective mechanisms that our human brain creates for us. That's a biological um, area. And then psychologically, what winds up happening from that point on. And yes, it was very important for me to put that all together in there. All the how-to books either separate each one of those areas. There's plenty of how to get healthy, how to lose weight, you know, how to lower your blood pressure. And then there's plenty of, you know, how to get over depression, how to deal with anxiety, how to take care of relationships. So there's that that kind of, of psychology and especially plenty of spiritual now, how to manifest, how to use the law of attraction. But there are very few books about how to combine all three together in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish in this lifetime. We've separated too much. And so, yes, it was very important for me to add the psychology into the spiritual aspect of the law of attraction, which is the metaphysical spiritual part, right? Well, and it would come as no surprise to anybody who's been in either psychology or child psychology that an enormous amount of influence comes from the early years. And you address that beautifully talking about how 
the things that we believe when we are too young to really analyze a situation and and look at it objectively and that's where all the problems seem to come in is that when you when you don't have the capacity to say you know mommy's having a bad day or something like that and she yells at you then you you realize that the problem is you and there's some pro you know there's some fault with you for you know whatever it was that she's yelling about and it gets you on a path that that it that takes you away from the uh you know the kind of the purity that you came into this world with it, it, it gets you going on on a path that is like full of lies as to who you are it and- is because it gets ingrained into you you're absolutely right suzanne again and I remember, I remember, and, and we, they want you to think that just because you become an adult now and your brain is more mature and you're capable of thinking better, more rational, reasonable thoughts, right, and informative thoughts, that you're going to get rid of all of that past automatically. That is insane to even think that that's going to happen. I just got off the phone with a client who admits that she is still dealing with the fact that her father left when she was a baby, okay, and that she felt abandoned. And what happens is you wind up remanifesting for yourself the same pattern over and over again. So all these people in her life kept leaving her and abandoning her, and all the men in her life abandoned her. And I myself, I can admit that I heard my mother turn around one day and say to me, who do you think you are? You're a Jenna. Nothing comes good from a Jenna, right? You're not good enough. Why? Because at that time, I wanted to be a star, a singer, actor, and dancer, right? Well, who are you to think that you can become a star? Well, that voice pops into my head. I don't pay attention normally that I'm writing something or that I was completing this book and I turn around and I hear all of a sudden oh it's not going to do well nobody's going to like it you're not good enough that's not a good enough book and I'm like wow you really are still speaking to me aren't you okay so I know how (laughs) to keep dealing with that little kid and that's why I wrote that in the book but yes our youths matter the most and especially in the world today now listen If we were raised correctly to start with, if we received all the the love and attention that every human child absolutely requires, no matter where in the world you live, if we received all of that healthily, hopefully, if we received reinforcement that we're unlimited, that we're capable of, of creating and going after all our dreams and creating the life that we want, that we're magnificent divine beings, okay, we would not have all these issues now and our brain would be able to function on a daily basis. But here's what happens. We get our first set of beliefs and they're maladaptive and they feel like crap. And now for the rest of your life, your brain, in order to protect you, is creating a whole new set of beliefs to shield you and protect you from that set of first beliefs. So it's not even like they're a slight portion of who you are in this lifetime. They're a major influence 
constantly on a daily basis, so much so that your brain has to keep recreating new beliefs and thoughts. No, 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 it's not you. It's not you. It's your partner. It's your partner. They're, they're an idiot. They're a jerk. Okay, no, 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 it's not you. It's your boss. He's a jerk. That's why you didn't get a raise. Oh, no, 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 it's not you. It's the government. That's why you don't have the finances. So it's constantly doing that. Have a drink. Here, have a drink. Have Go ahead. Have a drink. That's better. Let's get some distraction over here. Drink. Let's do some bad behaviors. Go have sex with anybody. You'll forget about how bad you are. It's like that's what the brain is doing all because of those first set of beliefs. It's ridiculous. And so now we step into a new thought, new age movement where everything we understand is wonderful and perfect and we don't need saving, we're already saved and that we're experiences of the God force here and that we're capable of tapping into the law of attraction. Everybody is sucking this in, sucking this in because they want to believe that so much. And they do, but not everybody is making it work. It's not working the same way. And even if you do make it work part of the way, then all of a sudden it stops and you wonder, well, what's getting in the way now? And it's all because you're not paying attention to the manifesting force itself, which are your core beliefs about who you are. That's where you create from. Not your conscious beliefs, your unconscious core beliefs. That's why I spend so much time on this psychology. And then add the spirit. I heard a sermon a long time ago in which the minister said that when we have negative beliefs and when they concretize or coalesce into a system of thought, it's very much like having a program in a computer that unobtrusively runs in the background, whether that helps you do your work, whether it prevents you, whether it's another bug that needs to be fixed, whether you need to reboot, when you have a program running in your personal background of which you are largely or completely unaware, you have set yourself a challenge by the nature of your thoughts. Oh, that's absolutely. I love that. And I love that that was a sermon because yes, 95 to 98% of the human mind is in unawareness. 95 to 98%, only two to 5% is in conscious awareness. So for everybody, including me, including everybody here, even Benny over there, um, okay, most of us have no idea what's going on in the background. And so we'd like to walk around saying, oh, I know myself. I know myself better than you know me. You can't tell me anything about me. I know me better than you. No, you don't. Nobody knows themselves. That's the problem. Not until you take the time to find out what's in that 95 to 98%. And because of the defense mechanisms and the shield between your conscious mind and those thoughts, you're not going to get to them until you go through those defenses. That's why I spend so much time on the adult-made mind I, that I write in the book, the defensive mind that hides and shields those beliefs. But yes, no, that is the major portion constantly running in the background. So when somebody turns around and it says to you, why, you're a real idiot, you know, and you feel like calling off and punching that person in the face, you have no idea that it has nothing to do with what that person just said. It has to do with what you said in between. 
because your feelings are created by your thoughts. They cannot be created from an outside force. So in order for you to get angry enough to want to punch that guy in the face or that girl in the face, it's because you had a negative self-thought about yourself that made you feel bad, and the instantaneous response was then anger. For example, if a person came up to you, and, and let's say you, Suzanne, being a beautiful woman, okay, turned around and said to you, you're the dumbest Japanese guy I ever met in my life. I you would laugh. Yeah, exactly. You would laugh. You'd say, oh, God, this guy's on something. You right. know, you wouldn't want to hold off because the words between his words and your thinking were not, oh, yeah, I am. I'm not good. I'm not good enough. Yeah, you're right. I'm really stupid. No, it's not that. Because you only go to get upset and you become defensive when you believe, when the button has been pushed, and you believe what that person just said. So you're saying it to yourself after, so quick, so fast that you don't even hear it. But that's what gets you upset. So it's your own self-beliefs that even make you angry at your outer world. I got a story for you, Vincent. And I've, I've told this one before, so I, I'm, I'll tell it briefly. Halloween, my cousin and I, same age, her mother dressed her as the blue fairy. She had wings. She had a halo. She had a crown. She had chiffon everywhere. My mother dressed me as a witch with a green face and warts on my face and all this ugly stuff. We were, we were young. We were four or five years old. And the two of us stood in front of a mirror. <laughs> My cousin was always the beautiful one. I was always the ugly one. Oh. I mean, and that's from an early age. I mean, it just. Yes, <laughs> that, is, that is terrible. I can't help but laugh that some of the dumbest things the parents do that they don't think that they're dumb, but what message is that sending? I know, you? I know. Well, and my mother always told me from a very early age, this is on the other end of the scale, how smart I was. You are so smart. You are so smart. So even though I was ugly... <laughs> Oh, I know, really. That's going to make up smart. for it. Oh, oh no, yeah. I, it's like my cousin was the pretty one and I was the smart one. So we each had a takeaway. She was pretty, I was smart. And so, you know, I did really well in school and and because I was the smart one. I mean, she told me from a very early age, you know, how smart I was. But you know my cousin what? got to hear how beautiful yeah. she was. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know which was worse. That's that's like you set up your friend for a date with a woman and the guy says, okay, well, what does she look like? Well, she has a wonderful personality. There you go. Like, and it's just like, what are you saying? It's, we're all beautiful. And that, oh my gosh, see, that's a... That's, that's a good that's a good example of, and you of know what? what you take in when you are that's really right. young and you can't discern. You can't say, well, underneath all this green makeup, I'm pretty too. No, I'm no, looking why in did the mommy mirror. Make, yes, why did mommy make me make look me that so way? ugly? Yeah. And and what's beautiful about that too, Suzanne, is it doesn't sound like your mother 
intentionally did that to make you feel bad. No, Maybe no. She didn't think that you were the most beautiful, but I would have actually made you look like a princess anyway. I don't care. Right. Because in my eyes, I would have seen that, right? But in, in she didn't purposely do it, but it just goes to show that the hurt comes from the innocent little mind. Yes. I always tell parents, when I was helping them as a psychotherapist, never let your child come up with his or her own answer. I promise you it will be worse than you can imagine. Always tell the truth to your child and give them the answer before they form one themselves about anything because they're not going to form the right answers for the most part. They don't have the wherewithal to be able to do that. And a lot of parents don't do that. They think that their kids are so brilliant and capable of thinking on their own. No, they're not as smart as everybody. They're, they're like dogs in the beginning. You yes. can train a kid yeah. anything that doesn't make the, and you can train a dog anything that doesn't make the dog the most intelligent creature on the planet. It, it just, it makes them capable of responding back what you're giving them. And that's what children do. They give back what you give them until they're capable of thinking on their own. We give them, we expect too much out of them, expect way too much out of them. And yeah. yes, we're intelligent beings and, and, and we've proven that, but that there were, the emotional intelligence is actually more important and that has been proven lately than, than your IQ and your intellect, emotional intelligence. And it's the way you handle the world and the way you handle the world is going to be based on the way you believe about yourself. Bottom line. We are visiting with Vincent Jenna once again, always a pleasure to have him aboard with us. His book just out and doing a booming business. It's called The Secret That's Holding You Back. Makes me wonder if we keep secrets from ourselves. When we come back, more with Vincent Jenna here on Manson Mitchell. Stay tuned to AM 1150 Seattle. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty. Yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family 
and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Coming up next is an encore presentation of Mance and Mitchell. Gary and Suzanne have continued their vacation stay back east. And all of us here would like to wish you a happy new year. And we'll hear from them next week live. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Vincent Jenna. Vincent, if people want to get your book, The Secret That's Holding You Back and Use It and Make Their Lives Better, or uh, look you up on the internet or, or any social media, where are all the places that people can find you? Well, first I have to comment and say, I need to have Benny follow me around everywhere because he puts on the right theme music. Do you want to know a secret by the Beatles? I love that, Benny. I love you. Hugs and kisses, man. No, did you? Oh, that's right. I love that, Suzanne. That is great. And I have to credit Gary because he picks the bumper music. <laughs> and I and I have to credit George Harrison because he wrote and performed that number absolutely i applaud it i love that theme um so the one of the best ways of reaching me is through my website at vincentjenna.com and that's with g-e-n-n-a and that will give you links everywhere to all my social media pages also, it will connect you to my podcast, The Jenna Effect. Um, I used to be a host for Unity Online Radio, but as we all know, Unity Online Radio Network closed down. And so the, the director and producer of that actually moved most of us over to a new network called mindbodyspirit.fm. It's actually a podcast platform where you can find some of the same hosts. Um, so there's my old shows there and my new shows there with tons of information. I'm telling you, that is where really to listen to. Uh, you can listen to them on a daily basis to start feeding yourself some good positive information. And then if you sign up for my newsletter, which I do not inundate people with, you can at least keep up with my events. Um, I am starting to have a live Facebook event the second Thursday of every month. So the next one is coming up in October. I just had one in September. So in October, you can come on. It's totally free. I will make connections for you, spirit connections, answer psychically, questions that you may have as many as I can within an hour. And I always go over time as everybody knows. And so that those are the, some of the best ways to connect with me and look for me um, to come to your area. Listen, if you go into the Barnes and Noble near you and you request my book, chances are they won't have it in the store yet. They can order it for you, but it'll give them an opportunity to know that I can come there to do a book signing and a talk, and I would love to do that. So, so go and do that. That's one of the best ways of getting books into stores these days, and I'd love to come up because that's what we're trying to put together now is more events for me to do live. So, yes, even though I may be coming down to see my sister-in-law to Florida, um, I will be coming down again to be able to do an event there and um, certainly be in your area for sure, um, Gary and Suzanne. Love that. Would love to do that. Okay. Thank you. Very, because we were on the subject a few moments ago, this is very interesting. There, the song, Do You Want to Know a Secret, was credited to Lennon McCartney 
Do You Want to Know a Secret, written in the autumn of 1962, was primarily composed by John Lennon, but credited to Lennon-McCartney. What happened with that, McCartney has said it was a 50-50 collaboration written to order for Harrison to sing. But John Lennon, who always claimed the song as his own, explained in a 1980 interview that he had realized as soon as he had finished writing the song that it best suited Harrison. Wow, that's very cool information. Inside politics of the Beatles. Uh, well, there was always a bunch of politics with, with them, you know, as soon as they became famous. There's so much politics with everybody. When you watch these stories, and this is what's interesting, and that this is not really off the subject, it's I, I, I love biographies about famous people. Um, and so when I'm watching them, all I keep seeing and hearing and realizing is some of the torment that these poor talented beings went through. We have talent to be able to share, to experience joy, not just from what others are experiencing, but our ability to put it out there. And I can tell you right now, we are so off track on this planet that the majority of people who left some of the greatest gifts to us creatively, whether it be through music or movies that they did or anything like that, they are the least person to appreciate their own talent and what they gave because of all the other nonsense that went along with it, whether it be political stuff, emotional stuff. I mean, how many artists do we know that were actually borderline insane and even had nervous breakdowns um, uh, during and after their music? I, have you seen the movie Elvis? Not no. yet. You've got to watch it. It is so heartbreaking. I mean, and yeah. not to make a pun, it's not Heartbreak Hotel, um, but but it is so heartbreaking um, to watch what this guy went through, yeah. what the colonel put him through, and it's just like, this is this the way life is supposed to be? No, it's not. We're off track because we don't know who we are. And so we do put our thoughts and emphasis on kind of the work we do rather than our hearts that are actually empowering that work. Because if you do that, then you realize the being you are, not just the activities that you do. You don't have to define yourself by your activities. You're supposed to be defining yourself by your own worth and value that's even capable of doing those activities. And, and this is what I really want to bring people to. Creating the life of your dreams isn't just about achieving dreams. It's about, a matter of fact, you don't even get credit for achieving your dreams when you're done. You will get to the other side and realize that that wasn't the point. Yeah. The point was that you thought enough of yourself to go after them. Ah. That's what matters. Because that's what we're trying to learn. <laughs> Who, who needs to teach an omnipotent being and as us, as, uh, as created from omnipotent beings and being equal to, who needs to teach you you're capable of achieving something? Who needs that end result? You don't need the end result. You can go like that and there you're in your dream. But the point is going after it and going after it the right way says something about what you feel about yourself, what you believe about yourself. Now you're understanding who you are. I'm worthy. I'm deserving. 
I'm capable, I'm lovable enough to be able to get all that I want. And then when you come to that point, reaching it and getting it no longer matters. Well, that is definitely worth thinking about. Well, you know, Vincent, I think about it a lot. That And there's a, a philosophical dilemma there. And I'll just put it out there. I'd love to get your response. Go ahead. I have felt for a very long time that there's something decidedly inefficient. And I do intend to take this up with the creator. Come sweet by and by. By the way, Lord, here's how I feel about this. You re you've arranged this whole thing and it needs to be rearranged. Let me help you out with this, deity. And that is we come through what many metaphysicians have called a fog of forgetfulness or a mist that causes us to forget our original purpose at the level of our souls so that if reincarnation holds and that remains endlessly controversial and speculative but nevertheless if there's anything to reincarnation we think okay i want those parents i want to be born an american or a canadian or an english person whatever it happens to be we choose these things and then we spend our lives in these bodies our corporeal lives are spent trying to figure out why we're here in the first place i could just i could just hear ben franklin saying that's inefficient <laughs> there what would it mean to forget who you are and come to a place where you get to rediscover it again and again and again well that's the whole point um esther hicks did an event and i'll probably be paraphrasing and so it was question and answer period for abraham and for those who don't know abraham and esther hicks abraham is supposedly a group a soulful entity on the other side that speaks through esther so she's channeling and trancing this spirit or this group of souls or part of herself whatever the definition is and it was question and answer period. And there was a husband who was dragged to the um, talk by her, by his wife. And so he had an attitude the entire time that he was sitting there listening. So during the question and answer period, he raises his hand that he's going to ask a question. His wife, totally embarrassed. She has no idea what he's going to ask. So he goes up to the microphone and Abraham says, yes, sir, what is your question? And the guy poses, he says, okay, Abraham. Since dogs are supposed to be so smart, why do they insist on riding in the car with their head out the window only to get wind and debris blowing in their eyes? And Abraham said, well, sir, you asked the most profound question of the evening. And his, you know, his wife's eyes just opened up like, what, my husband? And Abraham said, they do it because it's exhilarating. It's exhilarating to discover yourself. It's exhilarating to rediscover yourself. It's wondrous to realize what you're capable of. It's even bringing me to tears right now. When I stand in front of an audience and I can make them feel their own godness, it's such an incredible joy. I want to keep doing that over and over and over again. And yes, did it take me a long time to get here because I forgot that this may have been what I had chosen for myself? But the fact that I was able to discover it is so worth the journey that I can even say the torment I went through 
from zero age, one year old from the moment I was born to 17 years old by my peers, by my parents, I can actually say was totally worth it because it helped shape who I am today. And I probably wouldn't change a thing of it. And maybe those were all my choices and my soul contract. But the fact that I came to it, maybe it took me a matter of fact, it's so funny because when this all happened to me, this lifetime, the first question I asked, why me? Why am I supposed to be a spiritual teacher? And the answer my greatest guide gave me was because you were a horrible student in your past life. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, wow, okay, I get it, I get it. I chose this route and chose to forget it and chose to forget my past lifetimes, though Chances are I brought in, as most people do, you do bring in some remnants of your past life, even though you don't remember it's from them, but you will get signals. You get signals from this lifetime, like why you're drawn to a place, why you're drawn to a specific career, why you're drawn with, and why you have fears that don't make sense in this lifetime. It's because you pulled in some stuff from past lifetimes. So we don't completely forget everything, Gary. But the idea of rediscovering ourselves is fabulous. I recommend the movie, What Dreams May Come, oh. with Robin Williams yeah. and Cuba Gooding Jr. Yep. And I don't want to give away the end, but if you guys remember what the end was, what the choice was, and why he wanted to go back and reincarnate on Earth again, and Gary, that's the reason why. And by the way, this was not the Lord's or God's plan. We created, we got to remember something. The God force created the souls. The God force created us as part of it. But together, we created everything else. Life, and then once we came here, it's in our hands. The reincarnation, the past lifetimes, that is all our creation using the God force because that's what we chose a way to learn. So if there's anybody that we are going to bring to Jesus and have a come to Jesus meeting with, it's us because we set up this whole process, which by the way, is one of the reasons why it's taking so friggin' long for us to get it. Hmm. So that's the answer to that. You, you thank you for that, Vincent. You just mentioned uh, uh, Jesus, and I noted in your book that there are a lot of Bible quotes. They're useful, but they're not preachy. And I, I asked myself, what, how significant a role was religion in your life that you brought this into your first book? absolutely influential in the way that I wanted to bring it to people the right way and not the wrong way. You see, a lot of people want to blame religion for getting us off track by taking that book, the Bible, okay, and saying, well, this is what got us in trouble. No, it's not. Wise words never get us in trouble. The interpreters do. So it was humans that made the words wrong. It was humans that turned around even Jesus's words 
and turn them against people rather than for people. It was humans that want to interpret the Bible. For goodness sakes, that Bible also includes part of history from other cultures, Babylonian times. Deuteronomy is completely written from Babylonian law. And Hammurabi, King Hammurabi was the first one in history about what we know anyway, to write down laws. As a matter of fact, he had an obelisk in the center of town with the laws written on them so that nobody would forget them. And some of those laws, like stone your neighbor who sells you a sick cow, stone him to death. Other laws, like um, if your wife doesn't put out, you can get yourself a concubine. Or if you marry your wife and find out she's not a virgin, you can stone her to death. Believe it or not, those are in Deuteronomy, but those were from Hammurabi. So we're supposed to use a little common sense and intelligence that the book is about evolving, right? And there, there are messages in there. But it's humans that turned it around. So, yes, it's very important for me to take beautiful words and write them the right way and put the correct interpretations to them spiritually so that people don't misunderstand. I want to normalize. Religion is not important to me. Spirituality is. But we can't poo-poo some of the world leaders and the spiritual leaders who had some wonderful things to say. Jesus was a great rabbi and teacher. Why on earth would we want to get rid of some of the things that he said, which are so profound and wonderful, just because some group of people at a church want to teach it a different way and want to use it to condemn gays and condemn, um, uh, you know, women and mixed marriages and all of that nonsense. That was never meant to be in those words. That is human's way of controlling other humans. So I do what I can. I am not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I'm glad you asked me that because a lot of people made mention to that, but also said, I'm so glad that you added that in because I'm adding psychology, spirituality all together to make it one because that's who we are. And there's some damn good words in that Bible that I like using. And for a writer and an author, the least you have to think about what to say if you can use somebody else's words too. Yeah, that's a good thing. So I threw them in. I couldn't come up with them any better than the ones that I put in there from the Bible, okay? Well, they, they didn't sound like Vincent Jenna, but one of the things that I said to Gary is he writes like he talks. I, I, I said, when I read the words, I can hear his voice because your writing and your speaking are right together. Oh, my gosh, I cannot believe you said that. Okay. I had written a book previously to this that I thought it was going to be, and it had a different title, God, It's Not Working, What One Man Found That Makes Everything Work. My publishers took me based on not even reading that book. They took me based on who I was. They went, they watched my videos, um, they researched me, and they said, we like this guy, he's going to put out a good book. I was like thrilled to death over that. I didn't even know until they assigned me an editor. And they knew that the editor would get the best book out of me. So the editor reads my book, and the first thing she says is, this isn't your book. I said, what? I said, this isn't your book. This isn't what we're going to put out first. You've got all memoir in here, and, and, and the way you write is not you. 
And I said, oh, boy, okay, here we go. We're going to have a lot of work on my hands now. All right, so what do you mean? And, of course, it was devastating to hear that my book that I thought I put all my soul into um, was not going to be the book that was going to be printed. So I started to take out memoir. I started editing it, and then one day she sends me an email, and it's all capitalized. So when you read emails and texts that are capitalized, you know that somebody is yelling at you. Okay, so she's writing in, I was just at the gym, and I was on my treadmill doing my aerobics. And when I'm on my treadmill, I like listening to podcasts. And this is all capitalized, right? And so I listened to one of my favorite podcasts, and guess who he was interviewing? You! You are not a writer. You're a speaker. Write the way you speak. (laughs) <laughs> and then you'll have a book. Don't try all you speakers try to sound like authors and put in fancy words and 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 say things that you normally wouldn't say. No, this is fantastic. Go transcribe your talks and make it your book. Well, I, it was much more than just transcribing all my talks, but she said exactly what you said, and I'm grateful for that because. I don't want the book to sound like it's somebody else speaking. I want the book to sound like it is me talking directly with you. And Suzanne, I'm so grateful that you said that because you just validated that whole process that I had to go through to now change the book into me speaking. I just have to get your voice out of my head. That's all, Vincent. <laughs> oh, well, then, you, with that. then you don't want to listen to the audio version. <laughs> the audio version is me, and I had a lot of fun with that because in the stories that I tell that are in the beginning of the book is I do different voices. So, yeah, so it's fun. Well, that would be worth the cost right there. I think you get, get audio, Vincent. This is terrific. We're, uh, it's a wonderful book. It has so much to say to people who are looking for a more rewarding way to live. And I would recommend to you, and I don't know what the differential is between the two concepts you had in your mind before the publication of this book, Vincent, but I would suggest to you that God, it's not working. There would be a beautiful title for people who are trying to work through various frustrations on the way to a more successful life. I would encourage you to write that book and to use your own voice, your authentic voice. It will do millions of people a lot of good. Well, thank you for that, Gary. Yes, I have to contain that in into a book to a more an extension of this book, because in this book, I do write a lot about um, what's not working and people's frustration that they're trying these things. And so that's what I include in here. But but you're right that God, it's not working will definitely include even more of the stories of my life and memoir. Thank you, Vincent Jennifer, being with us today. It's a real pleasure, as always. Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys for having me. All of you, I love you so much. Benny, Suzanne, Gary, your your angels here on Earth putting out some wonderful words out there. And thank you for letting me share mine. Have a great weekend, everyone.